Welcome to the Joystick Show, your favorite evening time gathering place for fun and things. If this is your first time here, we welcome you to four friends hanging out online gaming, but tonight it's just three, so sad, discussing comic news, pop culture, and of course, games. Uh, Tonight is a continuation of our Valentine's Day extravaganza where we were with our significant others and kind of did this thing with the better halves of us. Um, But tonight, we'll be getting into a little bit of Vox Machina, a little bit of Boba Fett, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm Drake. On to you, T. This is the way. Uh, What's going on? Thomas here. Uh, Yeah, part two. Let's wrap this up, man. This was uh, some cool stuff that came out last week. But uh, passing it on to Scott. Yo, what's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in. Um, can't wait to kick this off with Boba Fett. <clears throat> Huge finale. A lot of big things happen in this episode. Um, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, for sure. Do we want to dive into like the meat and potatoes or do we like let people, do we start them off with a starter? Do we, do we, we can do a little starter. Do first. we do a little starter? Cause I, I feel like I haven't been able to talk enough about the legend of Vox Machina. And that oh yeah, been... yeah. Let's let's get to that after mm. that. Yeah, let's get to the bubble after. Let's do <laughs> yeah. let's do some Vox. Vox yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. So I think we're up to episode nine now, and man, it's been solid all the way through. I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying it. Uh, it's still still super violent. It's still it's been pretty dark as of lately. Like not that episode one wasn't as dark, but with like the zombie and like how people have been getting murdered just left and right and it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy mm-hmm. uh i've been liking it though yeah for sure yeah i can't get enough of this show like as soon as it drops i'm watching while in a row and then it's over and i want more and i have to wait a whole another week and this week coming up is going to be the last of the 12 i believe and then what's it? There's only 12. I think there's only 12. If I looked um, that up correctly, I know. So like really savor these last episodes because um, yeah. a lot's been happening and yeah, the action's great. The story's great. I care so much about these characters and I don't want it to end. So yes, I th- they, they did a really good job at building that world out, even though it's super familiar. It, it, I think it spends to making the viewer want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Cause I feel like, if that's what happens in D and D and those types of stories are so, you know, different and um, unique, mm-hmm. it seems like something that I'd want to be a part of. So yeah. Good sure. on them. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, I love how all the characters are so unique and it feels like, you know, the voice actors are those characters, or at least that's who they've been playing in D and D. And then they just get to interact with each other. So you have like, you know, like literally, I know I've said this before, but I feel like it's like a James Gunn oddball group, but just works to perfection. Cause you're seeing yeah. really weird characters that shouldn't get along. And they're a part of the same family and a part of the same team. And then they have to overcome together. And I, yeah, I just, I, I love, I'm loving it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm like trying to decide who I like more because there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, Percy, like Percy's the man. And then there's sometimes where I'm like Vax, like how he gets like the blade teleported back to him. 
And then there's times where I'm like, Scanlon is the fucking man. Like, he's just hilarious. <laughs> he's like the Barney Stinson of the group, and he just always <laughs> slays it. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have a favorite, but uh, I guess I bounce between uh, those people. But also, like, there's a role for for Vax or is it Vax? No, for Vax and Keyleth and Pike. Like, it just it just really works. You guys have any favorites? Um, yeah, I think. Well, for comedy, I think um, was it Grog and um, Scanlan? Like, they're always like. Whether it be like Grog just destroying things and he's like, oh, me dumb, sorry. Or Scanlan just like, <laughs> like, like this latest one, like super confident, like, don't worry about it. I'll create a distraction. And then in like, while he's doing it, he's like, oh, I'm going to fuck this up. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he's right. just always inappropriate and shit. But yeah, those yeah, two are hilarious. Yeah. He, he, he's like so confident. He's like, guys, trust me. I, I, this is what I do. I make distractions. Come on. And they're like, no, we don't want to put yeah. you out. And he's like, no, come on. I can do it. And like he com- fully convinces him convinces them that he needs to create the distraction and then as soon as he steps out of the door he's like oh this is a fucking bad idea yeah it's like what was i like, thinking yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so it's that was good it was nice to see like i feel like we are starting to get to see their individual like talents and personalities too right with mm-hmm. now now where we at where we're at in the season like pike is kind of left because the ever light has she feels like it's left her and she needs to apologize or atone for something. Uh, and then we're on this journey with Percy and trying to figure out the DeRolo's path and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, why the Briarwoods killed his family and what's going on in Whitestone, where I feel like his journey has like mainly been driving the group. But, uh, you know, there's like subtle little things going on between, I want to say it's Vex and Keyleth. There's mm-hmm. a, like that little bit of that romance yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and then there's like the Percy and Vax romance kind of going on. I might be getting them mixed up, but uh, yeah. So I like right, right. how they're kind of like playing to maybe what some of the characters' strengths are and also to maybe like what their weaknesses might be between the team. I don't know. It is just, it's been cool to see you know, dive a little bit deeper into all their stories, Just but just like just enough, not too much. They're just like kind of giving you nice spoonful of information and yeah, it's going down real, real nice. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's yeah. the right amount too, right? Like I'm, you're getting the right amount of information with everybody and like the pacing is great. I'm not yeah. like, Oh, tell me more about this person. Like they're, they're slowly like revealing it to me before I'm like super wondering about it. And like, I'm, I'm liking the pacing, um, yeah. but sorry, Drake, you're going to say you're something. No, I was going to, I really enjoyed like um, watching their struggles unfold because a lot of it was just their determination and how much, I guess you could consider it passion they had to do what they needed to do. So for example, Percy and trying to get his vengeance or his revenge, Pike trying to regain, uh, you know, communication with Everlight or Keyleth overcoming her own kind of insecurities as like a super powerful sorceress Um, and things like that. Seeing them overcome things and going through all of this perseverance is akin to discipline. And also just like the journey, it just makes the journey feel more uh, powerful because you're seeing people overcome things that, you know, you would even question for yourself. Like, could I even do that? Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. I love, um, that even though they're, they work as a team, like it's sometimes they're the ones kind of getting in the way mm. of their own progress yet. They never 
really fall back on it. Like they never turn on each other. They're kind of like, we're still in this to the end because uh, what was it? I think it was like episode seven or eight, right? There's that, the witch doctor or like the scientist guy that's part of the Briarwoods and uh, Percy finds out his sister is still alive. And he, right. He's like trying to get through the whole uh, town and, and find his sister. And the guy like just slits her throat right there. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, uh, Keyleth does some magic to try to save her. And most of the team gets stuck in that room with all the knights. And that doctor guy basically like turns these inanimate knights into, I don't know, just kind of warriors for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they figure out as a team, like they have to shoot in between the armor or like stab in between the armor. They take all of those down. And then the doctor guy basically turns the rest of the team on Percy and even though he's holding them back and or they're trying to go after him, he like gets enough time to like find the perfect angle to hit the bullet to ricochet off this thing, and it just blows off his like lower jaw. Yeah, that, that was I don't know. That was cool. I mean, but like the team in a sense does get it in each other's way, but also like they never hold it against each other. I feel like they're just still like, nope, we're a team. We're we're with you to the end, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, they're, that's true. You, I haven't heard them yet say like um like if you just if only you just pulled your weight or if you didn't like fuck up all the time like we wouldn't have been in this situation or they didn't they haven't had any blow up with each other yet yeah Yeah. true solidarity right and there's there's clearly like like grog like they're trying to open the door and they're like what if it's a trap and he's like it's it's not a trap and he kicks it open he's like oh it's a trap and then like (laughs) they could have clearly just got mad at him but they're like fuck it let's roll with it yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. taking arrows and shit. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> I just love like how many doors really do get in their way. <laughs> yeah. They're always trying to get through a door, and they're like, "Damn it, doors!" And like, and now <laughs> yeah. that you told us that little like Easter egg of when they really play D anD D, them trying to roll for the perfect number to open doors is like the bane of their existence. Like, I love that they're putting in the show, and it's like it's such a big thing. Like, it's such a funny inside joke that's yeah. becoming like a a bigger outside joke. Yeah. That's like a theme that's going on through all the episodes. It's been really, it's been really good. Yeah. That's super. I, the, one of the mysteries to me was like, or I, I shouldn't say mystery, but more curiosity. Percy's like perfect shot. When you're playing D and D, is that something that takes place where you're giving that much detail into what's taking place or was that elaborated for television? Do you think? Yeah. So I was, um, well, cause I didn't watch it. Um, and I'm sure like we could go back and like, find the episode or whatnot, but I was, I was trying to ask Christine. Um, and I think what she says is um, there's certain things that they did in the show that they didn't know were going to look the way it did. Um, like in the animated thing, like, like for instance, um, when Percy like goes into that like mode where he's like, almost like there's a voice taking out, like his voice changes yeah. and oh, he's got that shadowing mode. stuff. Yeah. That's that like, man. he, um, that's something he developed, I believe. I may be wrong, but I, I believe he like developed that with um, the DM, and eventually it turned into like they unveiled like that was happening. But while he was doing it, it's like I don't think he was changing his voice per se and whatnot. It's like something they slowly developed, but now because wow. we see it, like they it, we have to just like see it happening. So there's certain mm-hmm. things like that. But I think um, like his shooting. And like the perfect shots and stuff. I think he does have to roll for that. Um, I'm pretty sure he just like, you put stats into certain things that give you a better chance of like getting it. Like you don't have to roll as high of a number to get 
that. And then I guess they can like counter roll and whatever, but you get a better chance of like getting those sort of shots off and whatnot. So it's built into his character. He's, he probably is not as good in like, I'm assuming like stuff like Grog, like he's like insanely strong and like can take hits and stuff. So his, his hit points may be lower, but because of that, his like accuracy and all that stuff um, might be higher or whatnot. Granted, I don't know all the exact terms or whatnot, but I think that's, that's how that plays out. Drake. Whoa, yeah. that's crazy. Just imagine if the whole world was just a huge LARPing <clears throat> sim, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> you have to like it, roll for stuff? Yeah. <laughs> every, every day. Every day you're just like, okay, I'm encountering this new person. I got to roll. Are we friends or are we enemies? Bam. Your life would literally just be like free guy. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, like, would... you're like not in charge of anything. Everything happens by chance. Like, I mean, just, uh, I don't want to get too metaphorical, but I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, you could probably make some arguments for that. Um, but yeah, it makes me, I, it does kind of make me want to play D&D. And I, yeah, I've always, it's always been on like, if there was like a fringe of nerdiness, like if I, I felt like if I had played D&D, that would have been a step too far you know what I mean? Or like, oh, you're a super nerd if you play <laughs> D&D. But I mean, after hearing or like seeing Critical Role and after hearing several people just playing games online talk about how fun it is, it's like it almost feels like something I'd, I think I would like to do. Because you yeah, feel for sure. to like dive in that character and become that character, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Grant, I haven't really played. I've played like um, little like first session kind of things. But it's basically like we've done improv and it's basically kind of like that. Like, you're just like, you're going to pretend to be this character and like, just commit to it. Uh, yeah. I know. Like growing up D and D was like the ultimate nerd thing. Like for whatever reason, I was like, dude, you're a super nerd. But, um, right. Oh, dude. Then you, then you the see like dragons. I bet you like doing your mom's basement and you wear like your dad's underwear as a hat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like, like, it's like, you have no life if you just play, but, um, the more like I find out about stuff and like, it's like everyone plays and I guess like there's a lot of people who have played just, I guess just not very like boisterous about it. And then it's becoming more popular now. And like, if you see any of these, like, um, I guess like, let's say critical role or like any of the people um, within that group who like do like maybe side campaigns and whatnot, they have like celebrities come on and like, we'll play sessions with them. Like apparently like Vin Diesel, um, has like a character, that he's played for a long time. And like one of his movies, I think were, was based off of um, his character, like the, Bloodsport, the last Riddick, witch or, or something, or the witch oh. hunter or something like that. Like that's like his D and D character. Not saying that's the movie was good, but I think like, that was like based off of balls. I wonder how Joe Manganiello's character is. Yeah. See, he plays, yeah. I saw one with like Jack Black. Like, oh, like, Jack oh, Black would be amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Dude, Jack oh, yeah, Black and Scanlan together would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah I, would, we, I want to see him as a bard for sure. Yeah, if we knew Jack Black, we could hopefully <laughs> uh, play a game of D and D with him. That'd be fucking fun as fuck. Yeah, we'll, we'll get working on that, man. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's yeah, go, Jack Black. Yeah, I, I had to just Google it really quick. I'm like, who are some famous D and D? Yep, Vin Diesel. He, yeah, that was it. You're totally right, Scott. He made his. It says Vin Diesel made a film about his D and D character. Uh, to be honest, it sucked, but he did. Joe <laughs> Magnello, he so he Joe Magnello runs his own Dungeons and Dragons game, and it's supposedly the hottest D and D game in Hollywood. And he has a moon, um, a whole room devoted just to his Dungeons and Dragons. 
I wonder if he uh oh, that's pretty dope. He and Sofia Vergara get uh D and D down and dirty, yeah. They uh what is it? What is it called? Maybe uh, they turn D and D into uh what is it called? S and M. Oh they turn their D and D into an S and M room. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. apparently Vince Vaughn has played too. Oh wow. Deborah Ann Wolf. She's she's known as Karen on the Daredevil show. She yeah, like that'd them. be cool, okay. man. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, uh, I don't know if it's too off course, uh, but uh, the Marvel shows are leaving Netflix. Oh, what? right. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So Daredevil, Punisher, uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and that other guy who says his name all the time. Uh yeah, all those shows are leaving. <laughs> yeah. They um yeah. real soon too, right? Is it like March first or something? Or yeah, March first. And March so 1st. I guess all the rights of those characters are going back to Disney. So I think the big question on everybody's mind is who's gonna get it? Is it gonna be Disney Plus? Is it gonna be Hulu? How are they gonna redistribute Hulu. this? So yeah, I'm thinking Hulu. Hulu seems to make the most sense, right? Yeah. yeah, there's like a lot of violence and stuff in that show that Disney Plus has yet to have on their platform, especially mm. The Punisher, you know? So, right. mm. um, and it'd be weird to just have like, oh, just Jessica Jones on Disney Plus, but then, or even that's dark. I can't think of. Yeah, they're all then, pretty dark. Yeah, there's, there's, there's parts in it where they're all pretty dark. So I would assume Hulu since they, that's their platform as well. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, which I'm, I'm about. That's cool. I mean, I, mean, I hope maybe so. Maybe they'll yeah. do more with it, but at the very least, yeah. they'll have it there. Well, I mean, even maybe. we know for a fact now, it's spoiler, spoiler alert if you haven't watched Spider-Man No Way Home, but you're blowing it. But they already, I mean, we've seen Matt Murdock on, in, in a Marvel movie now. Like we've right. seen Charlie Cox. So we know that these characters can come back and be in the main MCU. So it's just a matter mm-hmm. of time. But I think they're going to pick and choose like, I hope that they give a second shot to the guy that played Luke Cage. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope that Charlie Cox keeps uh, is able to come back and pretty much all the characters that were in Daredevil. Uh, I guess Jessica Jones was pretty good. I didn't really watch that one, uh, but I like that actress. Uh, the only one, and probably no surprise, that I didn't like was Danny Rand. Out of, dude, God, Danny Rand, so bad, it was so bad. I'm gonna punch I'm you. Say. I think maybe there was people that liked it, but I just... Uh, it Dude, it was not... I mean, yeah, maybe people liked it, but that was bad, too. Like, yeah. the whole show, you wanted to see him use his power, and he kept, like, teasing you with it. And right. then he, like, did it later, and you're like, it's not even... That's like it? That guy. All both, the fighting scenes were crap. They were, like, so lackluster, yeah. And you're the like... Most, is, oh, yeah, the, um, the most entertaining people in that... Um, series were the brother and sister i believe right who like ran that company or something right right um, i was like i want to know about them like i don't give a <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, about yeah. danny Rand. i yeah. a bitch man <laughs> i know jeez i mean see that's that's where when you have a title character as the main part of the show and then you don't make that character compelling that's a problem like and uh man i don't know if i'm just like burning through topics but and we could kind of circle back on some stuff but i almost feel like that's what happened in boba fett like it was about boba fett Mm. but like the two or three favorite episodes 
I was just say two of my favorite episodes of the season did not have Boba Fett in them at all. Mm. So yeah, like I don't know. That was a huge letdown. That was a very yeah, I, th- I think Boba Fett was meant to set up the Bakta tank. Because I feel like the Bakta tank was the, the <laughs> primary character in in the whole series, right? They mention it's, it every episode. Yeah, I yeah mean, every they got episode. the end credit scene, right? So yeah, it's just <laughs> bringing people back to life, right? Yeah, and then they're becoming popular characters. So I think the Bakta tank is what the Book of Boba Fett was. <laughs> there yeah, you go. they should have called it the Book of Bakta. <laughs> the uh, Bakta tank. Yeah, Bacta tank. <laughs> and there was like there was a yeah so. Series overall, right? Um, it started out, it like had a little bit of an identity. It felt like, like okay, we're really going to follow Boba Fett on this journey. And we're going to see why he is the most badass bounty hunter in the galaxy. And there were moments where he shined, where he helped like the Tusken Raiders invade the, invade the train and, uh, you know, take back, you know, uh, I guess some safety, but also like stop the spice trade and, uh, but I guess I can't really even think of anything else that he did in the beginning that was really badass. I mean, Fennec Shan ended up really being one of the main parts of like badassness, mm-hmm. and yeah, it really wasn't really wasn't Boba for me. I, I guess I and I've been listening to a lot of things online. We've had some time to hear other people's opinions, but I genuinely do agree that why did he change? I still don't understand the change of heart from becoming, you know, I was trained by, my dad was a dangerous mercenary. I was trained by mercenaries. Uh, I was almost killed. And now all of a sudden I want to rule with like uh, respect. And I still don't feel like the series helped me understand that point. I think to that point, that was like the primary driver for the whole story is that because he's changing, he's doing all of these things that are creating all of these ripples and affecting all of these things. And you're right. Like they never really talk about why. And that was the most frustrating part in terms of the whole series is that you're, you're really basing the entire movement of it all on something that you've never explained and we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> there was one part where, you know, we see in the beginning and he's, you know, his journey to make the gaffy sick and to be accepted by the Tuscans, you know, and he helps, uh, you know, save them or gets them the speeder bikes and all this stuff. And then they put him on the, the lizard journey and he finds the tree and is able to make his gaffy stick out of it. And up, up until like the end of the, the episode or like the end of the series, we finally get a little bit of a callback where we, you know, you know, we get this final showdown between him and Cad Bane and you think it's going to be this super epic battle. And it was cool, but it lasted like five seconds. Like I've had sneeze attacks last longer <clears throat> and it just like, it was super for me kind of underwhelming in a lot of ways. Uh, but that was the last kind of callback we get from his time with the Tuscans was that quick, like sweep and then bam, bam. And then the stab. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was satisfying enough there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the episode starts off with this really, uh, you know, cool way, you know, all these, these different crime syndicates in the city 
who are basically, I guess, getting run by the pikes, uh, are going to invade. Uh, I forgot what the bar was called. Uh, the refuge. It was something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys know it, but the, the I look it up. I don't remember. Barrier defense, something like that. And it's, it's Mando. It's uh, Phoenix Shan. It's Boba. And then uh, the Twi'lek in there is in there. And he's like, I, I, uh, I grew up on Coruscant. I'm a master of uh, negotiations. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And he goes, uh, would you like me, Mr. Boba or uh, Daimyo, to negotiate on your behalf and request passage off world? Right? And he's like, sure. You know, give me your pad. I'll write something down. And they get out, uh, you know, he goes out of the bar to negotiate and the Pikes are like, okay, what does he have to say? And it basically is, uh, you know, get off the planet. I <laughs> surrender nothing. Yeah. <laughs> really put the Twi'lek in a, in a hard situation. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how that dude didn't die through this episode, but good for him. Yeah. Charisma, man. It can get you <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Oh, get you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, apparently, it'll make you impenetrable to blasters. Yeah. But then we do get some cool parts, right? Uh, Mando. Well, before even that, uh, Mando and Boba have this like really kind of cool moment where he's like, hey, you know, Mando, you don't have to be here. And uh, Mando goes, I made a promise to you. Uh, you know, it's part of the creed. I'm, I'm, you know, it's about honor. And he goes, you really believe in that uh, Bantha fodder? And he's like, I do. And he's like, good. And it's just that little bit of conversation between them. Like, I love so much. And just that silent kind of confidence uh, in Boba. I just feel like I wanted a lot more of that. But that moment right there was just super cool. I thought that was really, really sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they, they, you know, the Twilight negotiator is out. He says nothing. And then the next thing we see is that Mando and Boba are flying in their jetpacks and just like start blasting <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool though. When they're flying the jetpacks. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Like I was like, damn, this is, this is sick. Like this is, yeah. I mean, we've got, we got so much cool action from Mando. I just wanted to see more of that from Boba. Like maybe he had, you know, I was hoping he'd have more of a mastery of the armor or the jetpack or some of the, the weapons that Mando had, but just showing Boba as like more of a master since he's had so many more decades of training and using them to kind of mm-hmm. show his expertise. But uh, you don't really get that, do you? No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah but well, anyways, we get into the battle. They're yeah. they're firing away, and it's cool. Like they're taking shots. They're going like they're going back to back. Hit it. Oh, we go back to back. Thank you. And then they, yeah, they totally go back to back. They start blasting away, and it, and that fight was pretty cool. They're definitely taking some damage, and and that was pretty awesome. And uh, I forgot what the next part is. Like, was it they were like literally getting gun? Oh, we we actually get a moment of Cad Bane, right? Somewhere in there. Kevin uh, does show up. Yes. And he fights Boba, doesn't he? Yes. I think he just like, um, doesn't he like ta- not taunt him, but like. Oh, he's like, you need to stop what you're doing or else we're going to have to, you know, shoot each other. And then he like walks away and then all the pikes come out. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they get to that moment where, yeah, that was, you know, kind of setting up, you know, the potential battle or the future battle of Cad Bane and Boba. And then the people, you know, they're getting gunned down. And then the people of Freetown uh, come in, right? And Freetown. How did you guys feel about that choice? It seemed kind of dumb that they all came in on one ship, which could have easily been bazookaed and they could have all been dead. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but it looked armored. I it slightly, I mean, <laughs> right. laser beams in space. I, to your point, Tom, I think it was, um, it was a weird choice. It could have been far more tactical. It could have been far more like valiant patriotism type thing, but it was kind of just like, you know, a tumbleweed rolling into the frame. Right. Yeah. Something about the ships in this were, were either like super badass and super fast or like <laughs> so slow. You felt like you could ride a bicycle faster. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, like, was kind of weird. Uh, yeah. So that ship thing was, I thought it was kind of weird. And then we finally get to see those, uh, I think they're called like Scorpionek droids or something. Oh, which was yeah. like the oh, big yeah. droids that you get to see in episode those one, that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fight. These were but giant like yeah, they were huge. Giant versions, yeah, yeah, and that, that like two-story cool. buildings, right, right. And then they just like they have this crazy shield. They start blasting away. Oh, uh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, they're freaking screwed. Uh, Boba, and then, then what's that? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for what you're about to say. Put it in my <laughs> mouth. Okay, I hope this is it. Uh, it's it. Boba puts down the targeting reticle off his helmet and then he shoots the missile and i'm like oh my god yeah he finally shot the missile in this episode and uh it, you know the missile explodes fire smokes everywhere and you know then you see through the smoke that the joy and the shield are there completely intact yeah, yeah. nothing has happened i'm like what i know oh, it's like going back to what you're saying like i maybe he's like a master in weapons or something and i'm like oh yeah he's got that fucking bazooka on his back and then it just goes to show, yeah, but it's still useless. Like he <laughs> he rarely has times to fire that thing, and right. it it didn't fall, it didn't come through. Yeah, it, it just was like a giant letdown there. But I guess that's uh, like to show like they have these they have armor. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, I get it. But like, make someone else do it. You keep making Boba fail. Like I don't want to see him fail. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, totally. Gosh, I man. mean, the plan that they had too. I mean, Black Chrysanthemum gets jumped. You know, all the freaking Trandoshans come out with like knives and stuff, and he's got this giant bazooka and only manages to shoot two of them before they mob him. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what the pig aliens are called, but they basically got like pitchforked off the edge yeah so sad dude i know that was sad yeah i actually did feel kind of bad because they were like his day one but yeah. they were boba's day one were day one rider dies yeah yeah and then they got <laughs> pushed off the edge that was sad uh no condolences for them <laughs> in any part of them <laughs> in the end yeah uh and then fennec shan goes to save the mod kids yeah and yeah, from what I understand, well, this I want to hear your guys' take on the mod kids. Like, did did you feel satisfied with it? Did you like them? Did you not? They what were like there? nothing. They they meant nothing. There was no, you know, uh, building of characters. There was no like growth. It was pretty yeah. much they were Boba and Fennec Shan's kids, and they essentially had to take care of them. Right. Yeah, I still don't feel anything for them. Right? Like, they came in on their weird vehicles. I know like most people didn't I mean, care for whatever reason. Vespas? 
for some reason I cared and I didn't like it. But um, <laughs> after that, I was like, okay, maybe their character will shine through. And I'm like, no, there's nothing there. Like, but mods, they're just modded people. Um, and supposedly they do cool things. And then we're supposed to care about them later when they help. It's like, oh, we need someone to cover this sector. Let's put the mod people there. And then I, it, that'll cover that portion. Like, I, I didn't say- care really about them. Sorry, no, no, no. I will say that the one thing that they did do was set up the ending scene with the Bakta tank and who was in it and the person that was about to. Right. So it, it shows like yeah that they can mod people. So that's yeah. that's the best thing we can get out of them. Right. But it was like, how many times are they going to beat that story to death? Where. Yeah, someone gets gravely injured and then, oh, well, what are they going to do? Are they going to die? No, put them in the Bakhti tank. All right. Put a Android part on that. All right, they're fine. Like yeah. Fennec Shan and, uh, you know, both that was for a long time in the Bakhti tank. And then, you know, at the end you have Cobb Banth. It's like, all right. But yeah, I, I didn't really feel much for the mod kids either. And I just wonder if there was a way they could have better you know, express their characters and what they wanted because it just felt very out of place uh, in Tatooine. You know, it was like, uh, you know, Tatooine is this desert planet. You know, Luke grew up there and the water farming. And for some reason, we have a bunch of kids from Portland uh, that just hang out on like colorful Vespas. It felt very like now (laughs) characters. Yeah, and then they, you know, and then they get jumped, and it's not like they're doing anything special with their blasters, you know, it's just like little blasters in there, pew, 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 right? <laughs> and they start getting uh, taken down. Uh, <laughs> and if anything, they only made it look worse because at yeah. some point they saved Black Chrysanthemum, right? And the guy just like throws Black Chrysanthemum off his shoulder and just does like the most unnecessary outward spin points the gun and then just starts shooting. And I like rewatched it and I was thinking there's points where Black Chrysanthemum is like limping and needs people to carry him. And the next scene he's running. And then there's the next scene mod people are carrying him and they throw him off his shoulders and they're (laughs) shooting. And then he's walking or then, yeah, he's limping. Then he's walking fine again. It's like, what is going on here? So uh, anyways, not a fan of the mod kids. Maybe they'll felony it and make their story so much. <laughs> I just, I'm watching better. it right now. The spin. You're watching this bit. <laughs> What's the point of that spin? Dude, I have no idea. He's like, throw your arm off. And he's like, I got to turn a full 360 degrees 360. and do one of these. Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. It's like, if Bro, your eye is right there. Just like, bam. Like <laughs> what? I don't know what's going on here. Right, like use the cybernetic eye and like aim down the side of the gun and then fire. But he's like, nah, gotta throw a spin in there. You know what I think it is though too? Like the thing I really don't like about these characters, they're just too clean. Like I I froze this frame here and they're like, after he did a spin shoot and then they're helping um, Chrysanthemum uh, back up or whatever. Like this guy's jacket is like no dirt on it. It looks brand new. Um, the lady as well. She's like super bad. It looks like she did her makeup that morning. That's their mod like, though. Their mod is always being clean. Are they just plastic people? Like yeah, just yeah. plastic. The, the clothes of the future never get dirty. They should they just have, all have they, this. Clothes they have on. a scotch bright coating. They have a scotch <laughs> yeah, guard on like, them. Well, address that. Tell me that in the show because I need to know. Then I'll <laughs> right. accept it. Other than that, right. it just feels like it's cheap. Like it, it just does. feels out of place. 
I, then yeah. But once it feels out of place, then it's just like it, it makes me like lose like the care I have for like you know I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It kind of just for me, it just takes me out of it. Like it yeah, takes, it takes me out, me out of it. the the reality. So I, I don't want to shit on this episode too much because I was kind of bouncing back and forth between there's some parts I really, really dig be with yeah, Boba sure. and Mando. And Fennec Shan and yeah, but mostly Boba and Mando. And there's parts where like that, where we talk about the mod kids that really take me out of it. But, uh, you know, we also, in the beginning, we get the X-Wing coming back. And I, at first second, I was like, holy shit, is this going to be Luke? Is Luke going to come in at this last battle? And you don't see Luke. You see R2-D2 at the top. You're like, oh, that's dope. And Mm -hmm. so I, my mind immediately went to Luke. But when I didn't see anybody in the cockpit, I was like, all right, it must be Grogu. Mm. And then Grogu pops up and you're like, oh yes. Like there was a little bit of moment of like, yay, he chose Mando. Like <laughs> yeah, he yeah. chose his papa. And yeah, uh, yeah like I, I thought that part was, was great. Uh, but I, I did feel a little bit, I was like, wait, so does this mean he doesn't get to be a Jedi now? And does this mean he doesn't get Yoda's lightsaber? And does this mean he's not a Mandalorian Jedi? Like, Dude, what, he came you know? back to kill Mando so he can take the black saber. <laughs> obviously <laughs> all he cared about even through uh mandalorian 2.5 was pulling little balls off machines mm. he just wanted he wanted the little knob from the from yeah. the original razor crest spaceship and then he wanted the the little ball hinge out of the uh the droid that's like all he wants is like little <laughs> mechanical balls yeah he's not mature yet no. He's going to grow up and regret his decision. He's going to go back to the Jedi. He's just so. into robots, robot balls. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. But, I, mean, I, was, I was excited to see him. I mean, like, because, you know, you think like, oh, yeah, like he needs to be a Jedi. But then I don't know how they would do more um, Mando and Grogu if he didn't go with Mando. So, like, this has to kind of happen, right? Like, you're like, okay, of course. Yeah. And so... Um, later you see like he still has force powers though and he's stronger now so he did pick up some stuff mm. and now he can kind of help out so yeah. uh, to we'll jump probably into see Mando's that those arms that was cute yeah yeah but yeah. he can put um grumpy monsters to little betty bye sleepy times there you so go. okay perfect <laughs> you i love that you brought that up the, the rancor yes uh, yes you, were you guys like were you pumped about that were you like Oh, cool. You know, I, like, what, I thought that was, was pretty cool. Like, he digs out and he rides in on it, right? Um, Boba. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, he's riding the Rancor and he was he was tearing shit up. And then, um, yeah, it did get a little weird later. When, like, <laughs> we had to, like, <laughs> we had to stop the Rancor. Like, it was funny when um, Mandel's like, I got this. <laughs> he goes up yeah. and instantly gets ripped off. He just gets thrown down and just slammed down through the oh, ground. Oh man, I was like, he was getting thrown Bad through like, like what would be like a building or whatever. Like you know, like he was hitting to the side of the building, breaking the brick, and he's like hitting. I'm like, he's wearing like, it's still gotta hurt. Like yeah, so, oh definitely. Surprised he was Brutal. still awake, but um, yeah, yeah. Great. Cool what was your take on the rancor? Oh yeah. I, cool. No, I agree. I was like super like okay, this is super sick. My mind immediately went to guys riding on Rancor and like destroying. Um, So that factor was super cool. I did think it made the story of the Rancor much more versatile because we got some of it in um, 
Clone Wars. Clone Wars, I think, and also in um in Bad Batch. Yeah. Bad Batch. Yeah. So you got I got to see the Rancor lore um a little bit better. And the fact mm-hmm. that they can work well with I guess humanoids that there is a like a, a mutual symbiosis that could take place was interesting. I thought yeah, you could totally. see the power of the Rancor and why people actually fear it because I mean it can I mean rip apart a superior, you know, mechanical thing. Mm-hmm. Um but also that it's, you know, dangerous. So I wondered if they were trying to portray that there is still um, like a peacefulness into that much kind of rage and that, you know, maintaining that balance or being on that line is like what Mando and Boba Fett can do because they're capable of wrangling it. They can wrangle both the rage and the, the peace. Mm. Uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. They, uh, they really set up that there's like a different side to the rank where, because I think when you look at return of the Jedi, you know, all people know is that he tries to attack Luke and then Luke does this like nifty trick and strangles it and kills it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just see it as like this rage beast, but they really just like the Tuscans in this show, just like the Pikes, they, sh- they're showing all these different sides to all these different, these different uh, races or of alien. Right. So, yeah, like the Tuscans were always just like these crazy kind of sand beasts, you know, or like subhuman and they didn't really have a culture or a hierarchy or anything like that. And we got to see it just like the Rancor. Now we see that it's like whoever it sees first, it's like bonded to them forever. And that was really cool. Like, yeah, to see like there's there's this like almost like a, a man and his dog, you know, it's like this best friend kind of relationship between uh, uh boba and and the rancor and that was that was tight for sure but i agree with you like it, that point where somehow he gets does he get flung off of it or something oh, i know yeah. boba gets flung off, and then mando tries to jump on it and he's basically like get off me bitch <laughs> and then uh yeah uh it was just kind of weird and then they're like do we shoot the rancor now I'm like this is kind of going all over the place like yeah is he friend or foe? And like, did he help yeah. or did he hurt? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it did get really convoluted and it kind of almost became a circus, which really diverged the tone from what it was because they're trying to save a planet and all of a sudden they're just like dealing with this fiasco with a rancor, which seemed mm-hmm. very out of place. <clears throat> yeah, right. but I guess it allowed Grogu to use his power. Like, because there's a point, yeah. right? He was going to use it on the robot. And right. then, like, I think it, like a bolt or something flies at him. Oh yeah, he pulls that yeah. bolt from the robot, and then yeah. you see like Grogu kind of bolt thing. Yeah, yeah, metal balls Back with his metal balls. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he like uh, woos Grogu into like a sleep, and then he sleeps next to him, which was cute. That was cute, but kind of like okay. So, are we going to see more of Grogu in the Rancor? Are they going to have like a friendship? Like, is it? is this going to continue or this is the weirdest episode to end on? Yeah. Yeah. Because right. Okay. So, uh, let, yeah, we, he puts the rain to sleep. And the next thing I remember, and there might be something I'm missing is there's like a weird exchange between like the free people in the mod where they like exchange guns and stuff. And I like did not understand what was going on there, but, uh, there's like a battle. We finally get like the Boba Fett and Cad Bane showdown. Mm-hmm. And, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be it. This is gonna be like a sick kind of gun battle between the two best bounty hunters in the galaxy. And 
like I said, yeah, like uh, Cad Bane wins because he's still the fastest gunslinger in the galaxy. And he shoots Boba down, rips off the helmet. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, Boba has a gaffy stick on. So I guess he like flew back, got the Rancor, got his gaffy stick, then like, then like rode back into town or something. And then he just does, a, does like the sweeping of the legs, the hit, uh, the disarm, and then just like stabs Cad Bane in the chest. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wanted more. And Cad even asked him at one point, and he's like, why did you do this? Like, why have you changed the way you've done everything? And he's like, we all get soft in our old age. And I don't know if that's like a good reason. Yeah, because Cad did it. And he, in essence, is an older bounty hunter than Boba. Neither did Fennec, and she's renowned. Right. And Fennec did it. She only was kind of siding with Boba because she saw the advantages of like being in a number, of the credits he had. Yeah, and he saved her life. He saved her life. Like it made sense why she would follow along, but I guess, yeah, again, it kind of draws back to like, why one, why was that fight so shitty? And two, why did Boba Fett do all these things? Like, I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But, also, uh, I just rewatched the, um, like the moment where a cat is standing over him and he's like going to shoot him. And like, I don't know how he didn't get shot. Like <laughs> he, um, He's like, I'm about to shoot you. And then, you know, he closes his eyes for a second and then he like opens him, which then he like spins with that, that stick and like blocks the shot with the stick. But I'm like, this guy's the fastest gunsman. Like, how did he not shoot you before you could move your whole body? Like, you know, it's not like he did it before he took the shot off. Like, he shot, and then he blocked the shot. So I, I don't know how that's all the Tuscans into his, his right arm and gaffy stick and just put <laughs> power and truth in it. Now, it's not a good reason, but yeah. I, yeah, it, it just was a little underwhelming. I don't know if there's a different way they could have done it where it was like a bigger, bigger kind of gun battle where eventually it came down to he, he was disarmed from his gun and all that was left was a gaffy stick, but... Anyways, he stabs Cad Bane, and mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I kind of feel like I hope Cad's not dead too, because he was he was awesome. Like he was one of the better parts of the show for me, also. Because if I had to put, you know, some of like the greater villains in the show, it was like the Pikes made majority of the time, right? And then bringing Cad in kind of focused everything into like this is like a main bad guy. Like we have. We know his name. He has a distinct look. He has a, a specific goal, like vengeance. On Boba, and I don't even think like somebody was talking about like I was watching with Christina, and she's like, I don't really even know who that is, and like why this is important, or why is he even important to Boba? And I just wonder if that's going to come across to people who have never seen the Clone Wars or Bad Batch or anything like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe, or probably actually, definitely, because yeah. if you're just getting into if you love Boba Fett in the original movies. And then you get to it now, like you're not gonna really know anything else if you have if you've just liked Boba Fett then and now. Right. Yeah, you're not gonna know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, you know, the good guys win. Yay, everybody saved. Uh, you know, Boba and Fennec are walking around Tatooine and they're getting gifts from the people and saying hi. And I guess he's being acknowledged as the new as the real daimyo of the city. And, you know, we see Chrysan's there, some of the mod dweebs. 
And uh, yeah, and then the last kind of part before the credits, we see Mando and Grogu in the Naboo fighter kind of sailing off somewhere into the next adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, I thought that uh, great. I loved it, but I also thought it was a weird choice to end Book of Boba Fett with the last scene being on <laughs> Mando, Mando and Grogu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. So that was, that was kind of crazy. And then, and then you go through the end credit scene and then we, to what you were saying earlier, Drake, we see Cobb Vanth apparently getting repaired from the mod King. Uh, the person in real life is called Thundercat. He's like a rapper, singer, like R and B, uh, kind That's of, the, um, he's a really good, is he a good, uh, bass player too? Is that the guy? I think so. I'm sure he's probably a really talented musician all around. Um, but he's the guy that's kind of modding Cobb. And oh yeah, he's a really good bass player as well. Oh, right on. <clears throat> uh yeah. So just uh yeah, some really great moments. I just found it, I just kept thinking, why are the best episodes of the Boba Fett show, you know, not have him in it? And it's just interesting when you focus on such like a titular char- character, how do you, you know, are people always gonna come with expectations and they're that they're never gonna be able to deliver on? Or uh is is this character not really what we thought he was or uh, yeah or yeah i think that's it yeah i mean yeah that's a good good question yeah like because when this show was announced i definitely thought it was gonna just be more of his own thing but then mando it seemed like mando came in and like to save the show almost Granted, I don't know how um, far ahead they shoot these episodes and whatnot, and it could have already have been planned out this way. But it kind of seemed like when, like, the... I'm sure everyone felt that. Like, the numbers were going to dip in. Mando's episode came in just in time, got the numbers up. And then I saw a review saying, like, oh, the finale of Boba Fett was, like, higher than the finale of um, Mandalorian Season 2. And then... It's like people in the comments were like, yeah, because Mando was in it, though. Like, <laughs> this was like, right, right. It was building off of Mandalorian. It's only going to get bigger if you got totally. It. And anybody who had stuck through Boba Fett that long and had watched the Mandalorian, they had told all their friends, hey, you know, Mando shows up in episode five, right? Or, yeah, yeah something like that, right? It was like five right. or six. And then you got uh, all, of, yeah, the original guys now watching the show. Right, and like, or even maybe just watching from Mando's episode, and was like, "I'll right. put it together." Oh, I, like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't help but think there's people who probably <clears throat> came back just for this episode. That's it, and then maybe stuck around for next week's episode just to see if Mando popped back, popped back in, and then he yep. did. And then they're like, "Well, he's already in two episodes. He's probably going to be at the end." And then he was at yeah. the end. They're like, "Oh shit!" You know, so yeah, it was the Mando effect. I feel like really yeah. that carried carried it to have that big finale like you were talking about. Yeah. But I think overall, um, like you're saying, uh, most of the things I liked about the show and the finale was like kind of all the Mando stuff, like him going in and like, even when he fails, I'd like it more than when Boba fails. Like when he's going in with his lightsaber and like hitting the, 
the shield and it's not working. I'm like, oh, you're giving it your best, bro. Like, <laughs> like still well, on his side. Still yeah. cool. Like he's trying to use his best tool. Like he's <laughs> yeah, trying to like, use the dark saber. Yeah, like, exactly. I, like, I want to see cool lightsabers. Stuff, yeah. And it's <laughs> unlike what Jedi's wield, right? It's so amateurish. Yeah. And to that point too, to see uh kind of to see the struggles again, right? Going back to it, to see them kind of overcome themselves. It, I, I thought it was a great passing of the torch, right? Mm-hmm. you yeah. see Boba Fett become something that you're not familiar with and you're like I'm cool with it how it is that's fine yeah. and then it's going on to Mando and Boba Fett can just be the job of the hut of that region right just slow and there yeah that's right. true and what, I guess what's cool about this is um, this is almost like a Mando 2.5 where when we get season 3 now they don't need to waste episodes on like I guess these episodes like him going and figuring out about the saber and then figuring out how with Grogu and all that it's going to work out. And like, now they're just like, okay, they're back together. And like, you, think, you know, you all think this so? stuff. <laughs> like imagine, imagine you didn't watch book of Boba Fett. You're like a big Mandalorian fan, but you're like, you try to watch first episode of Ma- uh, Boba Fett. It didn't do it for you. You're like, nah, it's not for me. And then you don't watch any of book of Boba Fett. And then you hear Mandalorian season three. You're like, yes, Mandalorian season three. And you jump back in. You, do you think they have to explain like how he got, like trained with the dark saber and how Grogu's back and now he's got Beskar armor and like dude I doubt they it have if a they new ship what's going on what they might do is like um I know some shows do like a the first episode thing is like watch the recap we put together yeah and it'll kind of like recap what you need to know to watch what's going on right now because I I can't see them like retelling it I don't think they would like. Yeah, doing. I don't know how are you gonna. They did it so good the first time around. I don't know how they're gonna do it again. But I don't. I know what you mean. Like there are for sure. I think gonna if they do it this way, there's for sure gonna be people coming in like, what the fuck? Like how did what? When did this happen? And then they're gonna have to go online and be like, oh, I gotta watch these three episodes. Okay, when they might, you know, who knows? But I think they might just jump into it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. He's way cooler to watch it now. I think because of the dark saber, and you know, like. He has to learn how to use it. So every time he brings it out, you're like, is you going to figure out a little bit about it this time? <laughs> you know, like yeah. you, you're like wanting to see a little progress. So like, it's, you're always going to want to see more of it. So. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the meaning behind the dark saber. That's also interesting. And, and yeah. how it's not just the lightsaber. And, and like Drake has said numerous times as we've watched this show through the season, it's like, there's so much, kind of history and cool lore to Mandalore to the Mandalore race, you know, and yeah. you want to learn more about that. Uh, I, I, I wonder, I think in a lot of ways this is making me more excited about Obi-Wan because now we're mm-hmm. finally going to start seeing more of the Jedi mindset again. And uh, yeah, understanding of the force. And I want to, I, I feel like that part of it, I love, I, I don't want Star Wars to ever lose it. Like, I understand that there's still great stories that can be told mm-hmm. outside of Force users, and Mandalorian has proved that, yet I don't want to lose it, right? You yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you sent us a trailer, I think, of, uh, what is it, like Star oh, Wars? Oh, yeah, Star Wars, The Old Republic. Republic. Holy crap, that Legacy of the so Sith? Sad. Is that what yeah. it is? Legacy of the Sith? The Legend of the Sith? Something like that. But that, like, eight-minute trailer was like better like some of the best lightsaber fights i have ever seen in anything star wars and it's for a trailer of a video game 
It's like, give us a, like a piece of that in some live action. Uh, I'm going to be stoked, you know? And also like we got a little sliver of that with Luke at the end of the Mandalorian season two, we got a little taste of that in episode five, a book of Boba Fett with Mando going to collect the bounty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just more of that. I want to see more force users battling other force users. How do you, are you guys like really excited for Obi-Wan or how I guess has Boba Fett kind of like tailored your expectations for what Obi-Wan could be? Uh, for me, I think it's just the connectivity in terms of the story because I want to see the the circular closing of Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. I want to see kind of what Obi-Wan was doing to watch over Luke before the events. Because Obi-Wan is going to predate Man- the Mandalorian and uh, Book of Boba Fett, right? So, Right. Yeah, it's going to be right before A New Hope, I want to say. Yeah, and I, I really want to see all of that, um, the in-between of the original episodes, Clone Wars, and then kind of like the prequel to what we're seeing today and how Tatooine became how it was. And maybe even in the background, right? Boba Fett. Cause did they really specify when Boba Fett came back? Cause you can live in a Sarlacc belly for like thousands of years or whatever. Yeah. But I would have assumed he, he's fairly human. So you probably would have had to eat or use a bathroom or yeah, something. I think he right? follows those yeah, he'd still need water in a certain amount of time. Yeah. And yeah. So this was fairly shortly after um, Luke destroyed the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Like right after, or like yeah. during return of the Jedi. So there's, there's precedent there to set where Boba Fett is on Tatooine with um, both Luke and Obi-Wan there. And maybe, you know, it comes back in a, in a smaller story plot, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I'm just looking forward to the storylines that they can put and how, how much more they can fill in the blanks in the Star Wars lore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think one of the best things that come out of this show, too, is to see, like, a way more polished Luke, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you can do Luke that well, like they did in Episode 5, I don't see why they couldn't have his own show or we can't have... Yeah, just that. Like, why can't he have his own show and also rebuilding the Jedi Order or his new Jedi school? Like, it's totally possible now. And you just cast a bunch of kids. You you can even cast a young Kylo Ren and showing Kylo Ren as a kid before he's part of the Knights of Ren, before he joins the dark side, before Luke tries to kill him. Like, all those things, like, it could totally be done now. And I think that's the stories we want to see. Like, we want to see these people who are badass uh, we want to see the legend of them being badass. Like we want to see it happen. We want to see them at a hundred percent, right? It's like you, we we got Luke at like sixty percent, maybe seventy percent, fighting Darth Vader, Return of Jedi, and then you fast forward to uh, whatever the new movies were called, A Force Awakens and stuff, and then you get Luke at like he's already like decreasing. He's already kind of given up on the Jedi way. What happened in between those times where Luke is literally the best he can be. He's a master. You know, I want to see that. I want to see, you know, when Boba was at his, his best and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, and I feel like that's what we're getting from Mando. I feel like we're getting Mandalorian. Like he's one of the best warriors he can be. And he's only getting be- better because of the dark saber. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I don't know what to expect for, um, Kenobi. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what sort of budget we're looking at either. Like, and all the money, you know, cause all like the, the cash. Hopefully. Cause like, if we're looking at like the different Marvel shows, like Moon Knight looks so different than like, yeah, the last thing we got. So like, I, I'm interested to see like, Oh yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect, but, um, cool Jedi stuff. I'm always down for it. That's like, you're saying, yeah, I don't want to lose that either. Um, that's one of the coolest things about star Wars, at least for like a kid when I got into it was like these guys who could, who had powers and lightsabers. And I, and I loved like the whole explanation about, you know, the lore of the force and everything. And I'd love to like know more about that and like to know more about Kenobi. So hopefully we get a good story there. Um, but, yeah. yeah, if Ewan McGregor <laughs> is telling the truth, I think we can expect a pretty damn good show. So yeah, hundred percent looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, okay. Yeah, sweet. Um, so we can. I know not all of us had a chance to read everything. Um, man, excuse me. I think the uh, vegetarian uh, dip is getting to me. Uh, we had some book club. I know we weren't all able to get to it. But um, just for clarity, Scott, it was called Batman Zero Year. We're kind of like starting the Dark City portion of the book, right? Uh, let me jump back to that real quick, buddy. Pretty sure, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I yeah, Dark City. Yep. Yeah. So we're about the second issue into Dark City. Second like issue, right? Yeah, and it starts off really freaking cool. Um, I don't. Again, I don't know how far you guys got to get into it, but just some really crazy stuff about seeing Jim Gordon and what he had to go through. And, and uh, you know, there's a part where he runs into a bunch of, uh, you know, dirty cops and stuff. And they, you know, Batman basically asks him, uh, you know, why do you wear that jacket? Uh, and he doesn't know he's Batman. He still thinks he's Bruce Wayne, but he's like, why do you wear that, that trench coat? Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically goes into this story about when he had to pick up Bruce as a young kid in the movie theater. And, uh, you know, he had ditched school and, you know, this billionaire son ditched school and went to the movies and was just kind of hanging out. And they picked him up and he was with his partner at the time, uh, Jim Gordon. And the partner throws the coat on his lap and says, hey, you know, this, this is because they appreciate you. Hey, you know, and then fast forward in the future and Batman asks, why do you still wear that? You know, that was like, that was dirty. You know, that was because of dirty money and all these things like that. And he basically goes to the story about how he, you know, there was a dog fighting ring in the back of this like suit shop. And, you know, Jim just kind of showing how good of a man he is. He kind of says, Hey, I'm going to report this to the commissioner. And they're like, commissioner is going to be here in like five seconds. Just wait. You know, and he's like, uh, what the heck? And uh, yeah, they basically sick all the pipples on Jim Gordon. And uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of cool. He he uses it as a reminder of like all the crap he had to go through uh, to kind of do right by the city. So just something as simple as that for Jim Gordon, I feel like is really kind of coming through and not only showing like, yeah, even he admits he's not a perfect person, but he's had to go through a lot of shit to try to become the the police officer he is today and mm-hmm. at the time we get him in the book and it's just uh yeah it's really cool so I, i'm again i'm really liking these issues we're getting more into the origin of batman we start getting to see a little bit of poison ivy 
we see Dr. Death and the uh, reconnection of Lucius Fox and Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, most of what I can remember off the top of my head, but you, you, uh, as, as I watched this interview earlier, you, uh, between some of the cast of the Batman, I'm reminded that, you know, Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon weren't just best friends or, or like unofficial partners right off the bat. There was kind of a growth period between their relationship. And yeah, that's what I feel like these first issues are kind of showing us. Is like because we, you know, the first section was like Bruce becoming Bruce and and uh, or becoming just even becoming the Batman to to putting on the costume to understanding how he's going to help the city uh, and his relationship with Alfred and now it's moving into his relationship with uh, with Jim Gordon and some other villains as they're coming up in the city while the Riddler and the Red Hood gang um, are kind of still out there. Yeah. Well, know, do you guys have anything about that? Or yeah, where did yeah, I don't know if you guys have any little information or whatnot, but I'm really liking this. I do like that when you're we we were first introduced to Batman pretty much Batman was the stoic character who was the, you know, best detective in the world and had all the skills and the willpower and the, you know, belief in himself and his um his own creed. And in these, uh, I guess you could call them episodes, you see him kind of almost as like, not a teenager, but like just a a not typical Bruce Wayne or Batman. I I think that's very interesting because it even pushes more into the lore that he's just a human being that was able to epitomize himself to do great things. And that, that as a uh, a story is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it really shows you how much shit he had to go through. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I mean, he's just carrying this crazy amount of weight from his parents' death. You know, and that's that is kind of what drives him. But I also feel like there's more. You know, he he he. I feel like he's already given up on his like human life. He's given up on the I'm Bruce Wayne, and I have a life that can be lived through Bruce yeah. Wayne. And I feel like in this book, in Zero Year, we're really seeing like Bruce, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, if I never become Bruce Wayne again, I don't care. My sole purpose is to do what's right by the city and to make sure nobody's uh, nobody ever loses parents again like I did. Right. And like he much rather stay dead, right? Like in the beginning of the, the issues, he was like, oh, great, I'm dead. And like he yeah. doesn't want to make, he doesn't want to come back and then he's forced to and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's already like, this is me now. Like Bruce is the character, the mask I put on. He's like, Batman is me. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember like even thinking of like the animated series when we were kids, it always felt like he was still under control. Like even though the villains got him, you're like, he'll make it out just fine. Mm-hmm. Like in this issue, he's like been beat to shit several times. <laughs> um, I mean, between Red Hood Gang, uh, Dr. Death, like uh, crushing his skull, they're like, if you were like even held one second longer, like you might have had shards of your skull in your brain yeah. to, you know, the cops. And then there's just, there's so many, uh, I don't even know if it's mistakes or just like hard lessons. So mm. I feel like that's what we're getting from this, like a bunch of just really hard, hard lessons that he's having to face. And 
yeah. And just that he still has enough willpower and strength and devotion to say, you know what? I got a job to do. Uh, I don't care how close I am to death every single night. I'm going to go, go do this. So yeah, I'm really liking zero. It's, it's probably one of my favorites. I, I did like parts of ego. Uh, I did like parts of Batman year one, but zero year is, is to me, I just again, bring it back to this interview I watched on Fandango. If you want to watch it, it's like the cast of the Batman on Fandango. And they kind of talked about some of their inspiration. The cast talks about some of their favorite Batman and who they grew up with and, you know, why they think Batman's so, so relevant and, and what did Robert Pattinson get from taking on this role as Bruce Wayne or the Batman? And uh, yeah, I'm really feeling like I, I understand a lot more of what we can expect from this movie based on what I've been reading uh, in this book. And then also mm-hmm. what the cast is kind of cooperate. Uh, yeah, just kind of, I wanted to say cooperated, but I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Basically, I know what you're trying to say when you say that word. So, (laughs) right, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, book club has been great. I know uh, we're going to try to finish up Batman Zero Year. I think I say this every time, but just to clarify, uh, we're going to try to finish up Zero Year before the movie comes out. So, I think by the 28th of this month, we'll have the whole main Zero Year run done. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see the movie. We'll have a great conversation about it. And I think that will allow us enough time to kick off some time to read some Dr. Strange and Moon Knight. Hell yeah. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Sweet. Looking forward to it. Heck yeah, Definitely. man. <clears throat> right on. Yeah. Anything else? I, I know. I think we still owe everybody a uh, Pokemon review. Maybe we'll try, to, we'll try to get that in as soon as we can next week, right? When Cobes comes back. Yeah. yeah we will yeah. definitely get there eventually. Eventually. Nice. Well, how many uh, how many Pokemon have you caught, Drake? I want to say like sixty, no less, less. Nice. I think 40, 45 or something like that. Right on. What about you, Scott? It's like forty six or something. Oh dang! Nice. No, no, nice not really. You. Sorry. I just want to say one more than Drake. Um, I'm still <laughs> beat <the> bitch. <laughs> no, um, I'm actually still kind of early on in the game. And, embarrassingly yeah. um but by the time we roll around to next week i should be able to contribute to this review ah you know but i mean i think just even being able to talk and having the beginning more fresh in your brain will be super valuable so yeah i'm sure Cobes will still be the farthest ahead out of all of us yeah uh, sure. yeah so love to chat about that we'll get into that next week and mm-hmm. yeah we will be reading i want to say issues 27 through 29 for next Monday. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Did we yes, even do a hypothetical? Oh, we oh. did it. You want to do that real quick? Nope. Good night. All right. <laughs> night night. <laughs> night night. Yeah. Nope. Sorry, dog toy. Yeah. When the dog toy squeaks, that means we are done. Well, thank you again. Uh, yeah. Fun two-parter. Great Valentine's Day episode. So if you haven't listened to this one, definitely go back and listen to part one. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with more. Uh, we'll have the finale of Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Peacemaker, right? Oh, yes, yes. What am I talking about? Peacemaker. That's right. But which also, branch. Yeah. Which also got renewed for a season two. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, and, and the finale for um, Vox. And the finale for Vox. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Yep. So much things. 
All right, guys. Well, all right. Love boys. Peace. Love you guys. Love you, listeners. Bye. I think we are still recording. If you like what you hear, please like, follow, and subscribe. Just how we like chatting with our friends, please share this with yours. Feel free to join the squad and follow us on Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube at J-O-Y-S-C-H-T-I-C-K-S-H-O-W, Joystick Show. Or if you feel like submitting topics or asking questions to be discussed on further episodes, you can email us at joystick.show at gmail.com. Peace out and make it a great rest of your week.